on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Would Zack and Miri make a porno have performed better at the box office with simply a better title? Does this feel more like a Judd Apatow movie than a Kevin Smith movie? Is this low-key the best love story we've seen in a Kevin Smith script? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck. Joining me with a microphone attached to a hockey stick, we've got Trevor Scott from Bitstorm. How you doing? Hello. I'm very good, thanks, John O. It's been, a, it's been a little while. It has. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's I, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I know probably, I'm good for it. but I, I think <laughs> I'm actually one of your most prolific... Prolific... <laughs> Prolific, and prolific guests. Yeah, I think that's the right word. Yeah, it's Brenda's definitely like the most reused, but you probably right after him. Yeah, that probably I can think of. Yeah, because because uh, you're just so you're pretty much down to do whatever, which is yeah, always exactly. always good. <laughs> I I work from home, so therefore I can watch movies. <laughs> yes, perfect. And I've got a hoggy stick and a microphone, so yeah, that, that always works. Um, th- was the last one. Uh, Clerks 2 or Dogma? Clerks Did I, 2. Yeah, I must have got someone else in for Dogma. Yes, it wasn't it wasn't Ben or I for Dogma, but I've been on every other uh, every other one, I think. I, no, I did a Chasing Amy one no. with, um, with okay. Ryan Betson from Pop Culturist. That's right. That's one of his favourite movies. But anyway, um, you and Ben certainly are the go-tos for Kevin for Smith, Kevin Smith mo- yep. most of the time. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be keen to hear... What you have to say about Zack and Miri make a porno, which is the movie that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that uh, this is one of those films that has like a pretty interesting like story to it because in like the career of Kevin Smith, it was almost like a, would you, would you call it a turning point where he kind of stopped trying to make commercially it viable It was films? a turning point. I can, yeah. I can tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> Go the, for it. We're, the we're box here to office learn. came out and they were expecting, you know, a $60, 70000000 million sort of run in the theatres and it did Kevin Smith business of, mm. I believe, the the final uh, amount was like $47 million, um, which given how much the, the film cost and how much they spent on marketing and the fact that it was at the lowest uh, opening for a Seth Rogen film at that time. Right. It was pretty much a, a flop from his point of view. So he... Yeah. I'm looking at this, this the budget, $24 million. I don't yeah. know if that includes uh, marketing, but then box it office mean, 40 it does. It never includes marketing. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, box office is 43 So That's if you just looked at budget and box office, it like almost doubled. But, yeah, I guess they spent quite a lot on marketing. On marketing and, yeah. So there's there's a lot going on around that. At this time, Kevin had just started his podcast, Smodcast. Mm. So they did talk a lot about everything coming into, you know, how big this movie is going to be. And all of a sudden they, they get to the end and he pretty much never mentions it again. But you can tell <laughs> this, is, this is when he got very heavily into um, marijuana. Did Seth Rogen introduce him to it no. or influence that? No. It was, that would be convenient. It was helped. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> helped along. Uh, there are some good stories on, on Smodcast. If you can find some of the early episodes where he talks about how, you know, Seth Rogen and him, you know, lit up a few blunts at the end and all this sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. yes, it was. Okay. Certain, certainly. Um, it helped in his move to the green. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like from his career perspective since then, he's more or less made movies for himself, would you for say? Himself, rather yes. than than or I guess for his fans rather than studios well, and actually mainstream. what came next was cop out. So that wasn't oh. really for his fans. <laughs> that was him saying, Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write something for a while. Yeah. Um at least I'm pretty sure Cop Out was next, either that or it was Red State. It was because I remember, like, I, I I saw Kevin Smith do like an evening with Kevin Smith in 2010, mm-hmm. and that was like a, 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 a after yeah the movie had come out by then. 
So between 2008 and 2010. Yeah, so uh, he went on to do Cop Out, which was his only film to date that he did not write. And, you know, he thought, let's let's just see if I can I can do something else that isn't just me writing all the time and, and doing Kevin Smith business. And, yeah, less said about that film, the better. <laughs> <laughs> but then Red State came out and that was him, him sort of changing his way of going. But we're not talking about those films. We're talking about Zack and no. Mary make a porno. So what was your... Uh experience with this movie when it came out and um, what, what did you think I of it? saw it uh, with Ben um, very early on uh, when it came out in, in cinemas here which was a very light run <laughs> yeah, at, early 2009 time. I think yeah they they decided not to do as as bigger releases as some of the other places um, and yeah I absolutely loved it it was, I mean, then again, you're talking to someone who also loved Jersey Girl, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a really, really funny film. It was interesting to see Jeff Anderson back again, Jay mm-hmm. Muse doing a character that isn't Jay, um, yeah. Very and rare. yeah, I I just I loved the new characters that came in and the fact that it wasn't it was a new story with a whole heap of new characters and not mm. tied into what had come before yeah no that's interesting because i i didn't follow the release or the production of this movie so i don't even know that i noticed it come out um i think it was like after the fact that it's like oh kevin smith has another movie i think i assumed it was a judd apatow movie because mm. uh, it you know up to that point if you had seth rogan on the cover not mm-hmm. to mention Elizabeth Banks, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. They'd, also, they'd also been in, in um, previous films, including um, Knocked Up and... 40-Year-Old Virgin. 40-Year-Old Virgin, yeah. So uh, there was a bit of uh, chemistry with, with those three already, um, or at least with with Avatar and, and, and all of those actors. So, yeah, it just it has that vibe about it. It's almost hard not to when Seth Rogen is the lead and it's got that kind of improv, improv kind of feel about it which everything he does and he's, he's again playing which is actually really quite interesting because yeah. Kevin is a stickler for not allowing yeah. much improv actually happening so uh, and they were sort of talking about in a couple of interviews that I that I managed to watch that you know Kevin was was very different to to Judd because Judd is very very much on allowing the impro to go on and and alternate reads but it was sort of like with Kevin you get as long as you get the words down on the page then maybe he'll he'll let them go yeah, on and sure. do a couple of lines of impro but um mm. yeah it's it's interesting though cuz I was I was going to say like the character that Seth Rogen plays is very much the, the Seth Rogen character that he yes. had played in almost every film up until this point, <laughs> including, you know, Superbad, Knocked yes. Up, 40-year-old version. Like, it's just a, a stoner that um, has, has a... A stoner without, sense of humor. without yeah. the actual call-out that he is a stoner. Like... Yeah, in this film, I guess that's right. I'm actually trying to think. Maybe I just read into that because mm. <laughs> it's just but... what you associate with him. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good um, point. There, there, there were some interesting lines throughout the film that I'm like, okay, I know where Smodcast, were, what Smodcast were doing at this time, like, as in they obviously had their they had their new um, theme song because uh, that Boba Fett song in the middle when they when they're doing the um, doing the, the Star set. Wars Star yeah. Wars um, part. Was sung by the same by the same guy, and it's like, okay, I yeah. remember that it was around this time. Um, they mentioned Fleshlight quite a few times, and it's like, well, Kevin had actually <laughs> like purchased one and and talked at, for many hours <laughs> about the Fleshlight in 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 this just after this, after doing all the jokes about it. Um, which, again, it's it's definitely um, it's got its place within time, especially in my mind. But because I was listening to the podcast, that's why I knew the film was coming out. Right, sure. It, yeah, it's kind of a blink and you miss it otherwise. And I think mm. e- even watching it, I, there's nothing... 
I shouldn't say there's nothing, but there's little about it that makes Screams me think Kevin's like, well, <laughs> that too, but also like the fact that it more or less bombed. Like there's nothing about this movie that says this movie is going to be a failure, except mm. potentially the... Uh, title. The, the title, <laughs> yes, which we'll get to, but also the amount of like actual graphic sex that's portrayed that probably yeah. makes it a lot less marketable to a typical moviegoer. Um, I, I, like we'll we'll get to that later again, but it that kind of those kinds of scenes wouldn't be in a Judd Apatow movie really, or it would be handled a little bit differently. It so handled very differently. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin was really, it was almost like he was like, and I know that he's, he's talked about Apatow, like not stealing from him, but like perfecting his kind of approach to, to comedy in, in some ways, um, yeah. or the style, the crass kind of, um, dialogue and that kind of thing. But, um, it was almost like he was like, I'm going to, I've got, I've got Rogan and I'm going to just turn things up to 11 with yeah. this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to out Apatow, Apatow. Yeah. And didn't really it work did, because yeah. it wasn't that typical um, Kevin Smith fair that everyone, that all the Kevin Smith fans were going for. And it wasn't the typical Apatow fair that all the Apatow fans would go for. So yes. therefore it was stuck in that, in that limbo of you get a, a, a mishmash of, of the, of the fan groups going along yep. to see it and the marketing really didn't help the fact that um if you if you actually see most of the um most of the artwork that they did was either two stick figures or uh-huh. seth rogan and elizabeth banks sitting on like a picnic rug on a painted background that looked very very cutesy and it was like it just doesn't like a rom-com, work for, yeah. for this for this film mm. that is primarily about them making a porno <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, it's probably the most... I I don't remember Jersey Girl super well. I've only seen it once, so you can correct me. But this feels like the... Uh, it feels like more of a love story than any other mm. Kevin Smith movie. Um, so, Jersey Girl is very much a love story between a father and his daughter. Okay. And that's... And then Clerks, Clerks 2 was like a love story between two best friends. <laughs> Exactly, um, and Zach and Mary is actually really a a bastardized story about how Kevin made clerks on a shoestring budget, and mm. you know ended up being doing it in the place that he worked, and all this yeah. sort of stuff. It's just a really bastardized version of that, and that's where you can sort of see where he took from his life with that, but then also took a lot of the um a lot of the the sort of Things that you know Kevin's sort of known for with the friendships that that maybe try going into into deeper places, very much mm. like a chasing Amy, where yeah. you had the friendship become you know something a little bit more, but complicated, it was between... a bit murky, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit murky, yeah. Okay, yeah, that that's a that's a good point, good uh, distinction you make there. So uh, let's get into. The category so rotten tomato score do you want to have any guesses if you don't already know where this one's I sitting i don't because i what i love about doing this podcast is i try to i try to ignore the things that that are you know <laughs> that you usually ask so i'm like sure. i'm going to say that it it's fresh but barely so fresh is 60 percent. so maybe 63 or 64 65. Yeah. <laughs> a very good guess. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you've nailed the actual number before, haven't you? Maybe You're one once, of the people that's done that. Yeah. I'm like, it feels like it's somewhat fresh, which just yeah. means that you've got you've got enough people out there rating it, you know, two and a, <laughs> two and a half or higher. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. At least giving it a positive review. That's it. So we've got some comments here. Uh, this one's from film.com that says, All in all, it's a modern day Kevin Smith fairy tale, a big mm-hmm. screen bearing, perhaps of his soul, at its sincerest and wittiest, if not filthiest. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. That's that that is accurate. That's um, very accurate to this film. Yeah. Um, let's see, there's another comment here that this is a negative one from the age in Melbourne. A well meaning foul mouthed misfire. 
I don't agree with that, but I can understand where someone might yeah. um, see that as, you know, it's almost like if you just, uh, there's like an edit of this movie that's successful, I feel like, out there, like that exists. If you cut it in a certain way, if you do the whole, whole Zack Snyder treatment to it, like you could kind of salvage it into something that I think that would have been successful, but I, I guess it wasn't to be. However, I mean, that's usually where, you know, that's the director's cut. Well, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Kevin Smith edits all his films, <laughs> so you've already got the director's cut. It's almost the opposite. It's like we need the studio <laughs> cut <laughs> instead of the director's cut. Um, yeah. And and that's the thing. He, he, he was talking about that they originally got an NC-17, which in America is pretty much a death sentence for any, any film, and they managed to talk it down to an R. Um, without any cuts. So this is actually the version that he wanted out there. Right. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> mm. All right. Another thing that you've guessed accurately before, I think, the number one song when this movie released in Australia, oh, which God. was fe- February 2009, so a few months after the American release. Yes. Okay. It's not something I would expect you to get. <laughs> um. I think I got it last time with a Lady Gaga film. Yeah. And that was actually Poker now face, now I remember what, what our last one was. It was Role Models. Uh, <laughs> that yeah, was the last of time that we were on. That's and right. I got it with, yeah. with Poker Face and La- Lady Gaga. <laughs> so I'm gonna go maybe no paparazzi's later. So <laughs> um Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, it Was is... I close? <laughs> you didn't guess anything. Um, it's Flow Rider featuring Kesha uh, oh, yeah. with Right Right Round, yes. which is that I think that remix of the seventies tune. Um, oh, it's it's very different than that. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> they, takes the hook from from that. Yeah. yeah, it's a sample. Yeah, but I remember that song pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What have you done for me lately? So Seth Rogen was, I, I assume, like with everything almost that he's in, he's also a producer. But Pam and mm-hmm. Tommy, which is on Disney Plus over here, yes. uh, about the Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee sex tape and the guy that, I guess, stole the tape. I think he plays that guy that stole the tape and sells it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has a animated series called Santa Inc. that I'm yet to see. But that also stars... I think Sarah Silverman and Craig Robinson has a role in that too. People, nice. I feel like Craig Robinson probably almost most well known apart from The Office and maybe Hot Tub Time Machine, but he has like a reoccurring role on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, as Doug uh, Judy. Least, yeah, <laughs> really great role for him. Uh, he plays that kind of anti-hero quite well. Elizabeth yeah, Banks has moved really a lot into producing and directing, mm-hmm. uh, but she was just in a mini Pitch series Perfect. called <laughs> Mrs. America. Yeah, yeah, she directed um, and produced Pitch Perfect 3. Um, but Mrs. America is her um, mini series of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Muse and, you know, um, I guess the other usual suspects that you get from Kevin Smith movies, they were most recently in. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So and have filmed Clerks three. Um, oh, and have filmed Clerks three. That's exciting. Has filmed Clerks three, and it'll be coming out. Well, the trailer will be coming out later on this year, and hopefully, the film will be coming back out later on. Which also means that Jeff Anderson has also filmed um, yeah. something recently, which is Clerks three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that's exciting because I mean that's such a long time in the. In the making, like when when was uh, Clerks two like two thousand and two two thousand six two thousand six okay yep. yes long time long time and so many like stories of like failed liftoffs you know and mm-hmm. scripts um, that got canned and all that yeah kind of so thing. it took a long time for Jeff to come back into into acting he came back for Clerks two um, they managed to pull him into. Uh, Kevin managed to pull him into doing um, doing Zach and Mary, and then because of what happened on Clerks Two and Zach and Mary with the with the money issue that was actually going on, where they didn't get paid um, their like um, 
I think they had residuals? had some residuals that didn't get paid because you know basically the the Weinstein company said that they they weren't owed any, and so there was a lot of issues there for a very long time. And Jeff wasn't wasn't happy to be involved if they were involved. And now seeing what's what what went on behind the scenes, it's you know kind of good that Clerks Three got away from that. He was onto him, Jeff. Oh, early. Yeah. <laughs> Dodgy, dodgy. All right. So that's like, there's a lot of um, great cameos and other actors in this movie, but they're the they're the main ones that we'll be focusing on. So we'll move into the next section. What's the most 2000s moment for you in this film? Most 2000s moment? Ooh. Um, I would probably have to say, other than the coffee shop, because that feels very, <laughs> very much um, a a 2000s moment that was that was where you know at myself you know in my 20s spent a lot of my time actually in coffee shops with um yeah. with work meetings and all that sort of stuff so that that feels very 2000s to me um the technology that they had at the time uh, felt felt very very 2000s and also the the fact that it had a Judd Apatow feeling and that was very 2000s as well. So yeah, Elizabeth Banks was in everything in the 2000s. Like mm-hmm. she was, if you look at her IMDb, like she was just popping up in a lot of really big stuff. Um, yep. And that was before like Hunger Games and some of that stuff too. Uh, yes, yeah, interesting. Like you say technology, that's what I had as well. The video camera, especially because <laughs> it's not much longer after this that it would just potentially be the phone, the iPhone. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you um, had the I- shot of the, of the kids like filming the granny panties scene on their flip phone, I think it was, which yes. is a terrible quality video, but still good enough for it to go viral. That's another mm-hmm. thing that that seemed very two thousands was that type of video becoming Going a viral behind, video. I guess still it's harder to upload stuff and to capture stuff at that point because of the inaccessibility of video. So it's a bit more believable that something as innocuous as, you know, just someone having granny panties on could mm-hmm. become a viral video. Um, another thing was uh, Brandon Routh's um, haircut was very, okay. was very 2000s <laughs> to me. It was, you know, um, obviously he was trying to distance himself from his uh, Spider uh, Superman Returns. Superman, yeah. Um, I said Spider Man. <laughs> um, but oh my god, I just I love those two characters in Brandon Routh's character and um, Justin Long's character. They were just they They're stole the funny. scenes. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have some good chemistry. Um, mm. Mostly with Brandon Routh, like not saying much at all <laughs> he's exactly just like, and he didn't need to that's <laughs> yeah he just plays he just off. knew what not to say yeah. <laughs> and it actually made his character all all the better for it yeah yeah for sure uh they may be coming up in the steve buscemi spark plug mm. nominations um but yeah i didn't have anything else for that it is like a very 2000s thing just to have seth rogan as the lead in your film and alongside elizabeth banks and uh, Craig Robinson, I think, and um, yeah, um, just... they did mention one of my favorite TV shows, Lost. Um, they and... did. That's a great <laughs> reference. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it makes me want to talk about this a little bit more. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was the question? Um, what happened on Lost last night? I missed it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they're on the island. They're not on they're the not island. On the island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows what that show? That's quite funny because it was only a few days ago that um, I was talking on, on the News to Reviews podcast. Actually, afterwards, we were talking about um, The Leftovers and Damon Lindelof and I mentioned Lost. And the other guys were like, you know, oh, did you watch it all the way to the end? What did you think of it? And I was like, yes, I did. And I liked it. And people don't understand the ending still. It, it yes. annoys me how much people just go, oh, they were dead the whole time. It's like, no, that's not what the show was they about. Anyway. The whole fucking time. <laughs> so anyway, John, John and I have already been talking about doing another podcast, but um, 
<laughs> it's called Found, yeah, we, a lost podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've talked we'll about that so many times. Like the, um, we'll have to wait for the 20th anniversary in 2024, maybe. Yeah, I've, I've got to I've got to get a little bit more time on my plate, <laughs> and you've uh, got to get yeah. a lot more time on your plate because you do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay, um, so yes, lost. Good call. I, I missed that as far as my notes go, but um, that takes us into most iconic scene. I had a, a, a there was something that came to mind for me, but I'm interested what you have because I struggled kind of to think of something um, like obvious for this. Most iconic scene to me has to be the the whole scene between Zach and Mary and their and their scene in in the um in the film Swallow Mo Cocachino. Um I, had, it's I just, actually wrote that down too. It is just an amazing scene. The fact that you got two amazing actors doing the worst acting <laughs> that <laughs> that they could possibly do, and you feel that these are people who do not act. And in the scene before this, they were acting their hearts out, and you know you believe that these were characters. Yeah. And it's that juxtaposition between these ma- amazing actors doing this horrible dialogue, and then you know awkwardly sort of moving around <laughs> Seth Rogen with his pants around his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, he's, and he's like saying, like they're completely breaking character and talking to each other in the middle of and the And talking scene. to the camera. I just came to deliver the cream. <laughs> yeah. And just like looking at the camera, talking to the camera, talking mm. to the audience, essentially. It's like, oh boy. Um, yeah. It, it, the way that that moves between that um, acting as bad actors and then those two having such uh, genuine emotional connection whilst they're in the act, um, yep. I, I thought made that a very memorable scene. And, it's and they kind keep of on the... going. They keep on going back to the back to the group, going, "This is boring as all fuck." Yeah, <laughs> and then it goes into that close up, and and the when they playing. when they start going, um, I mean, you yeah. said music, and I've got to say, this movie had the best fucking soundtrack, like all the way through. Every song was a banger. And um, Kevin had been wanting to use that live track, the song by live, that um, he used for that scene for many, many years. And every time he rang up, they said, no, you can't use it. It was an unreleased track at this time. And uh, finally, he said, this is the scene that I want to use it in. He rang him up and they gave the go ahead. So he got to use a song that he'd, he'd been loving for the last... Um, long while to to actually um, impact that scene and so they the were, fact they were that just waiting for a sex scene. <laughs> I'm not sure what they were waiting for, but they said yes, and <laughs> yeah, a, a iconic scene was born from that. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Like the way it keeps cutting between the song, which isn't diegetic, like it's a, a soundtrack rather than part of yep. the scene, um, and the realism of the shooting the scene that's a really funny juxtaposition of like these two are having this moment it's really intimate and emotional and life changing and then everyone else in the room is just like Ugh, this is this is bad <laughs> and then it cuts back and you know the song's in full in full effect yeah. and from what i can tell it's actually moved on like it's as if it's been playing the entire time uh, and yes. yeah. and so that you haven't like you have actually missed a moment in in what they're sharing because the music has continued on. But it's also, um, I kind of see it as these two people have had their eyes opened as to this is like an amazing ex- experience that they're both having, that they're realising, hey, maybe there is something here. And that's where the music's sort of coming from, from that yeah, both of them actually realising. Yeah, without the music, it wouldn't work at all, actually. It's a, a good point that we that we bring up on that and I think that scene as well as just being funny um it's kind of it sets up the rest of the film like it's the turning Mm. point of the of the of the drama um of the conflict between them as they have to resolve this unspoken thing um so yeah it it really is probably the scene that and because it's also the name of the movie Zach and Miri Mm. um 
that's the one that came to mind for me at least. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised but glad that you thought of the same one. Oh, it, it it was it was no no question when I was watching. I'm like, this is the this is the scene that I was waiting for. Yeah, like the, the second one, a- close second is the Dutch rudder. <laughs> 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 they're the they're the two things. Like, I don't I only seen this once before what, rewatching it, and those were the two ones that I remembered the most. Um, one thing that I always remember is the cake frosting scene, and we'll that's all we'll say about that particular scene where. Yep. <laughs> Jeff Anderson gets gets frosted. Yes, yeah. um, it was to to me that was that was the most laugh out loud moment of the of the entire film when I saw it the, for the first time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, takes gross out humor to a new, <laughs> to new level. <laughs> Very much so. Yep. So what holds up the best? I had the chemistry between the cast and I guess the love story between Zach and Miri. Like it's actually really well written, I felt, for you know, Kevin Smith has had his criticisms about the way that you know the females have been portrayed in, in some of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought in this one it was a really clear um conflict. And at a certain point the movie almost switches to her to, to Miri's perspective the most mm-hmm. where you're getting her true feelings expressed in her conversations away from Zach um, and so you're starting to follow her through her lens rather than naturally for I feel like the first part of the movie it was like a, a Zach film so yes and then and, and they both have genuine um, uh, not tension they, they both have genuine hang-ups about um, the right thing to do and the way that they feel like they've been hurt in the exchange, especially when, um, you know, Zach leaves the room with this uh, stripper and there's that conflict of like, she is she testing him or is he, you know, that, that whole thing of like... Yeah, um, and, and that yeah. whole unspoken thing of she... She's like, I'm not ready to say anything, but I'm going to say, yeah, of course, it's fine. And just look to see that, you know, hopefully he makes a move and he says no. Like, I'm going to say that it's her. okay. Yeah. And, then and then he looks you at her that... like, are you going to stop me? And, and they're both just looking at each other and they're both going, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's so heartbreaking at that, at that point. Like you, you're thinking these two people just had an amazing connection and an amazing moment. And why did, why did they let their, let their minds, you know, sort of do this to them? Why, why couldn't they just say, no, I'm, I'm actually going to have the courage to actually say this to my best friend. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, um, it's 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 kind of like a tragedy in the, like the dramatic sense because they're about to discuss their relationship when everyone arrives for this party and it gets interrupted, so it's almost like a butterfly effect kind of thing of uh, mm. you know if they'd had an extra minute together before people rocked up would they have gotten through to have that conversation and avoided the months of you know heartache in between and. Yada yada yada. So yeah, th- there's um from a writing perspective, I feel like that is a small thing that Kevin Smith did really well, um and po- possibly better than he's he's done in in some of his other romance writing. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that hold up really really well is the actual way the film has been shot. Um, compared to some of the other like very early on films and all that sort of stuff, like you can see that um, the cinematographer, David Klein, uh, who who shot Clerks, who shot Mallrats, who shot Ch- Chasing Amy, who shot Clerks 2, and who shot Cl- um, Zach and Mary, has come so far to... Is he now working on Star Wars or something? Uh, he's now working on The Mandalorian. He, yeah. he worked on, like, Homeland. Um, mm. Like, there's so many things that he's gone on to work on. But then the fact that he came back and worked on this and had that feeling of in in the porno, the way that it was actually set up within the porn scenes, especially the Zach and Mary iconic scene, um, 
it felt very amateurish and felt lit very much like he would have done for for a clerks but then to have that you know whenever they drop down into into the actual uh filming from the from the real camera you could see that mm. it was lit beautifully it was um probably the best looking uh best looking scenes of any kevin smith film to date and that include that goes over the top of clerks 2 which was again a wonderfully shot film yeah and probably one of those other reasons at the start that we said it didn't necessarily feel like a quote like kevin smith movie it it had that studio quality production mm. value yeah and Definitely. that all comes down to again the cinematographer knowing which lenses to use and all that sort of stuff and i think he, mm-hmm. he nailed this and it shows why he's on all these amazing things after yeah. this like <laughs> definitely all right trev what holds up the worst i actually have quite a long list of things <laughs> with this we should probably start with the title of the film zakimiro yes. make a porno that's something that's contributed definitely to the lack of marketability and what's your take on that with hindsight um I reckon they could have got away with Zach and Mary make a film or Zach and Zach and Mary make a video. Like that would have been marketable. Mm-hmm. The the fact that they said make a porno, yeah, it's the sort of thing that they talk about in the in the actual film that you know, if if you found out that your classmates had made a porno, of course you'd want to go see it. But it doesn't quite work that way when you don't know these people. Um, Zach and Mary, mm. and you're sort of being thrust into into something that you you're not quite sure that you that you actually want to go see because do you actually want to see Zach and Mary making a porno? <laughs> <laughs> it feels yeah. very Romy Michelle's, which um, is a fantastic film if you haven't seen it. Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. I actually haven't seen it, but or I've always wanted to, so it's on my list. Comedy of, Rewind. Uh, it's on my list for it's on my list for nineties when we get back to the nineties. But um, yeah, I mean, even like as I was prepping for this podcast, and I was I was at work today in the office actually, and I was like, mm-hmm. I, I'll look just quickly look up like the you know Rotten Tomato score and some of that basic stuff that I do in my prep, and I was like, I don't actually want to type the name of this movie into Google at work because yeah. it has porno in it, and I don't want to do that. Um, so even just like telling your, oh, mum and dad, I'm going to the movies. What are you going to see? Oh, I'm going to see Zach and Mary make a porno. Like, it's just like, even talking about the movie isn't an easy or natural thing to to do or or to even for like people to talk about it on the morning show or the radio or that kind of thing. It's, it, it just adds an extra barrier for people to talk about your film comfortably so i feel like and maybe i'm like a prude or whatever in saying that but i think that that kind of thing would hurt in the sense of like we're trying to attract a mainstream crowd here Mm -hmm. um it's it's not the same as um you know shooting something like this and releasing it on netflix and as you would do today and relying on like the shock value of the name of the of the title so i think that 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 is a mistake and surprised that the studios went for it but I, I guess it shows the kind of pull that kevin smith may have had at the time yeah but it also uh, shows you know a little it shows a little bit more about what the weinsteins were uh, they were happy to to release something with yeah. this sort of name and it actually when i was thinking about watching this film again the one the one sort of scene or the the one sort of area within the film i didn't really want to uh watch was the casting couch section because it it felt very exploitative and with with what happened with the weinsteins and all this sort of stuff it felt it just had a dirty taste like it just did did not feel right uh which is a shame because um you know craig robinson again was uh you know such a good character within the film, but just when he was in those, in those situations that just didn't, it didn't work out. 
Yeah, there's a there's a few pitfalls and traps about doing a film about porn, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. It's just there's no reference to I guess like the exploitation that happens in the porn industry that we know happens to like I guess the abuse and the the um yeah like the way that people are taken advantage of um so that that's a that's almost like critiquing something that's not discussed more than like they they didn't handle it poorly they just ignored it completely which yep. you know they don't have to address every issue with every no, topic that not. people bring up in movies but it did stand out to me the actual porn scenes for me um, were too much. Like I didn't, I don't like. I guess that's part of if you know if you've got porno in the name of your movie, mm-hmm. you kind of have to go there. But it's not something that I need to see. Is like Jason Muse's butt cheeks, you know, and <laughs> m- more than more than his butt cheeks because you know we see we you know see a lot of him in Clerks and stuff as well. But it's just a lot and. Um, yeah, there, there was definitely it, 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 again it makes it feel less appealing at that mainstream level like especially when you see Lester at the end of the film walk out and um, one, of the, one of the comments that was made by Ben Affleck when he first saw the film for the first time was <laughs> that's not what James's dick really looks like. <laughs> he goes, that's either on its way up or it's on its way down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the fact that he he knows, like, and that's that's yeah. the sort of you know, crazy crazy friendship that these guys had had for so long that they knew what each other looked like. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> who wants to know how that sort of worked. But yes, it was very full on. It's graphic um, for a comedy, I'll say. Very I'll graphic. Say that. Yeah. Um, it was interesting having, you know, Tracy Lords, who is a well well known porn star from, you know, the especially the nineties. Um, okay. And then Katie Morgan, I also believe she was she was the stripper. She she had okay. been in in porn as herself. They were actually they did amazing acting throughout the throughout the film. But then you could you could also see this is the reason why he got them because no other actress would actually want to be in these scenes doing it's very exposed yeah <laughs> in both doing this both sort of stuff senses. and talking yeah. about what what they what they were talking about in yeah. in the film which was very a very heavy subject but then again you are watching a movie called Zach and Mary make a porno they are going to be talking about. Mm. Things that you don't <laughs> want to talk around the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, there's also a, a good deal of casual racism in this mm. movie, particularly the, so. the way they talk about their boss at the coffee shop, mm-hmm. um, who is played really well by Jerry Bednob. I believe he was in Forty Year Old Virgin again. Yes. So the bit he more basically played the same character in both. Yeah, <laughs> um, a, a, a swearing, <laughs> swearing, like yeah. Um, Worker in this case, he was manager, but um, that's it. And there's like a running gag through the movie between Craig Robinson and Seth Rogen's characters of like imitating him and yeah, like imitating his accent and his expressions. I tell you, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, is it funny? I, I, I guess, but it's also like it's, it, it I don't think that Kevin Smith would go there now, now the way yeah. the films um, are made i guess i mean it it goes into um in the only casual racism stuff that actually felt like you could laugh about was when um maybe the the um where where the white guy is asking for a coffee and the way that craig robinson responds um, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say what he said, but it was just very, very well done in that, that, you know, he's sort of going against, against type, uh, I suppose. Mm. Um, that's the only thing that I could actually laugh about that, that had some racial connotations, but even then it was just because he was commenting on the fact that, you know, people, people react very differently to two different color skins and yeah it's 
a very hard subject, and we're two Caucasian white guys, so... Yeah, there was also um, the name of his production company. Yeah. N-word rich, rich, I'll say, which Seth Rogen also says in, in as his character. And that, mm. again, in 2022, feels like you're not allowed to say that, even if it's the that. name of the production studio. No. Um, or unless you're like a bad guy in a... Uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie or something like that's <laughs> kind of like the only circumstances so that felt weird um, and again just being a, a, a dated thing there's like some at least one like retard drops oh, in the yes. in the film as well there's a bit of ableist stuff in the I, I think it was the the, the reunion scene towards mm-hmm. the start anyway so it's just like that's almost classic of this era we just did tropic thunder last week and there was a lot of that in there too tropic thunder would have been a very hard one to actually do because you you've got blackface in there you've got like that make that actually of... made it quite interesting um um some of it was a, a, a good i thought um social commentary and some of it was not so good so yeah it was an interesting episode if anyone yeah. out there missed it Go check it out. Well, I I did because I didn't I didn't get a chance to catch up beforehand. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the the last thing that I would mention before I let you see if we've missed anything. Why did they take so long to tell Zach about Mary? You know that the climax of this movie is they find him. He's got a new job. His beard's grown back. It's clearly been a few months. And they're like, hey, we can't finish the movie because we don't have an ending. And Miri never slept with Lester. And it's this big like reveal that she did it because she's actually in love with Zach. And he goes and professes his love to her. Why didn't they ring him up that night or text him and say, hey, man, the craziest thing happened on set. Miri just like walked off. Yeah. I, like, that- I have a feeling that um, he was not he was not contactable. Um, and that's, that's what my mind told me that, you know, they managed to just find him. Like they, they heard from someone else that, you know, he was, he was, you know, down and down, you know, wearing this costume. And, uh, if you, if you want to go see him, then go see him down here and, you know, Mm. sort of bring him back. I guess that's possible, but even in 2000, but it's, it's it's very movie. like. Yeah, it's, it's very convenient and it, very it adds convenient. to the drama. But it's also like, come on, two thousand eight. There's multiple ways to reach people. If he's if they they could have sold it by saying like, you know, he's gone off the grid or, um, you know, yeah. sorry, sorry, I didn't answer any of your calls. I just didn't want anything to do with the movie or with Mary. And they said we've been trying to reach you. Like, she didn't do it. Like that would have been a way to get through it. But instead, it just kind of felt like, oh, how convenient. Like. It's been months and it's a bit more dramatic. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's it was, it was done. Yeah. <laughs> that, it was typical movie tropes of yeah. here. We're going, we're going to show that um, we're going to show you the footage. And it's like, Oh look, we surprised you with the fact that this is the last thing that we actually shot. Even though there was another scene after, after the one that they shot. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Henderson should never forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> he blocked it out. So, what did you have for holding up the worst? Was there anything that we haven't mentioned? Um, yet? No, you pretty much you pretty much covered it. I I had the um I had the ableist stuff in there. Um, I think yeah, just it it goes back to the Weinstein's. They are just well, especially um, you know Harvey, disgusting disgusting person, and you know it. It still feels wrong watching watching films that he had he had stuff to do with. So do you think that Kevin Smith wrote that stuff though? Like, how do you how do you think he would um, he would feel about it, that it's stuff? De- now? It's definitely it's definitely a sign of the times because yeah. if you watch some of the early Judd Apatow stuff as well, there is a lot of that sort of casual. Oh, even in even in the Hangover, which I think came out after this, yeah, they're still talking about all that stuff. Yeah, and and we saw some of this in in role models as well. It's it's literally a sign of the of the um, of just the two thousands. It's it's almost like a peak in the two thousands. I feel like for like mm. the R word. Yeah, 
for not only ableism but just um any any sort of like punching down like there's a mm. lot of punching down that happened in the um in the 2000s and i'm kind of i'm not even sure whether we're completely out of it now i know it is a little bit better because people are thinking about it a little bit more and you do have a lot of stuff with cancel culture and all that sort of stuff not that we'll yeah i think people are a bit more afraid of getting like blasted on social media about yeah. you know or boycotted on social media because of yeah. portrayals so i feel like it's like let, let, let's not go there there's other other ways to to get a laugh mm-hmm. um yeah so until we do comedies from the 2010s and 2020s we just have to go off of um our memories but um but i, I suppose what's yeah. what's good is we can actually bring this to light and say this is this is wrong and give mm-hmm. our reasons why we think this is wrong from yeah and of, <laughs> with from our place of privilege <laughs> yeah for sure and i, I, I it's interesting because kevin smith talks so much about his work i would be curious whether he regrets things like that i know that he's said things about like chasing amy and some other films that have dealt with delicate things that he might wish that he could do over but yeah particular jokes i'm I'm curious if if they are things that he's also like yeah i probably wouldn't do that now if i made yeah. that again okay who would be most offended we've just been through yeah all that Definitely. stuff <laughs> um does it pass the internet relevancy test i'm gonna say no for the fact that it just what there's, probably wasn't relevant at the time and it hasn't become like a cult classic or anything. Yeah, there's there's nothing that you can just sort of go, yeah, like if I type in frosting, then I get that scene. Like <laughs> it just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any... I can't think of any gifts off the... Top. Or any quotes that everyone would know. Like it's not even... Yeah. like. I mean, I mean, if, if you had come like up to me last, last week and said Dutch rudder, Maybe I'd go, oh, yeah, I kind of yeah. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Explain how it works again. <laughs> <laughs> Take your hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you work how- my arm. <laughs> <laughs> how would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? So the a big plot point in this film is <laughs> we spent all our money on a camera and now yes. it's gone. The, you know, the shop got demolished or whatever. Yeah. Um, these days, oh, it's okay. I've got my my phone. I've got my phone, and it's got a HD camera, ultra HD camera on it. You know, depending if you've got an iPhone Pro or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah. That's that would change the quality of the of the film that they're doing. It wouldn't would no longer be on a high eight camera, <laughs> mm. um, which was being used as a security camera. So that's the highest quality. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think. That and also like letting letting Zach know that hey Mary didn't do the scene and you know maybe you should um, maybe you should come back and <laughs> you yeah. know talk it out with her <laughs> don't leave it for three months. <laughs> also, why didn't she contact him? I don't know. Is that a, is that another? Because issue? again, she she felt betrayed because he she still thought that. Oh, he right. So they both were in the same scenario, effectively. They both thought yeah, the other person that, had done... Yeah, yeah. assumed and, you know, the worst thing about assume is it makes an ass out of you and me. Yeah. And, and in that case, I don't know why Zach didn't actually say to her during their argument, I didn't actually sleep with her. Yeah, but <laughs> as he leaves, he goes to, you know what, it doesn't matter. And he walks yeah, out. Okay. Like, he was going to say it, but it's like... Right. Right. It, he can't really say that as like the exclamation point on an argument, you know, because it it's just I don't know. To me, if I if I said that as as like an exclamation point on an argument, it's like was that actually true, or is this just you, you know, putting a lie when when you've just been you know mm. yelling in each other's face? Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's. It's, it's interesting that there's that depth to the arguments that i was talking about before in, in the writing it's it's been handled really well yeah uh, could you could you make it today what would the 2022 version be uh it's obviously gonna, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's gonna have a different title it might not be as graphic it might be a netflix movie um, uh given what they've put out recently yes it could 
very well be that. It can't be any weirder than brand new cherry flavor. I don't know whether you've seen anything no. about that, but that is no. just, yeah. Mm. <laughs> if you if you're not into weird, weird, weird stuff, do not watch it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it would be more of like an OnlyFans kind of subplot in this one, yeah. maybe. So yeah, and. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's the thing. It was very much... Um, f- their their whole business model was for, you know, putting onto onto DVD or putting onto onto old mm. media, which nowadays is like, we'll, we'll give you a download link. <laughs> like, and it would actually yeah. be easier for, for that business to continue on. Um, did, you, did you actually watch af- uh, after the first part of the credits? Because yes, there was there was another another scene at the end that I think that I had never I, I don't think I'd ever seen that post credits ah. um, or mid mid credits mid scene until this one and that was hilarious I really uh, there, there is actually a... an after credits moment as well and it's just Jamie Jamie's yelling out let us fuck okay. <laughs> so you didn't miss much <laughs> yeah that's funny um, yeah I thought that mid credits scene was. A great way to actually end the movie. It's almost yeah, and, like it... and brought back two of our favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it could have been just the actual ending of the movie instead of mid credits. I thought it was yeah. funny enough to cap it off with that kind of thing. Uh, do you have any useless trivia for us, Trev? Useless trivia. I've I've gone through a lot of useless trivia already. Um, <laughs> okay, useless trivia. Uh, the character that uh, Justin Long plays in this movie, he replays in Jane Silent Bob reboot, but oh. because Kevin Smith doesn't own the rights to Zack and Mary make a porno, mm-hmm. he didn't name the character um, in in the in the actual film. Right, uh, Brandon Saint Randy or whatever is. Yeah, Brandon. Yeah, I yeah. guess he. It's, so he, it's pretty the lawyer, he couldn't the actually, yeah. um, he couldn't actually give him the same name because he doesn't own that character. But essentially, yes, Justin Long was playing the exact same character in Jane Silent Bob reboot. Uh, it was just he's a lawyer now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the person who was uh, taking their names at the um, at the at the reunion. Uh, what's it called? At the reunion, that's Kevin Smith's wife. Um, Tyler Labine turns up uh, as as a guy just in the middle of the middle of the scene, like and just walks in, and uh, Seth Rogen ends up making him a coffee and all this sort of stuff. Um, the reason yep. why Tyler Labine came in is because Kevin Smith actually directed the first episode of the TV show Reaper, which also starred, starred Tyler Labine. So they became friends through that and. Kevin asked him to come along and do that. So that's some useless trivia as to how some of these people got in. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Which brings us into the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. Is it Tyler Labine? Because he was pretty funny. <laughs> See, I've got I've got four on my list. Yeah, I've got four as well. Let's hear yours. Okay. Brandon St. Randy. Because I love Justin Justin Long's character in this. Um, Bobby Long, because Bobby Long is just amazing. This didn't say much in in the film, but just the scenes that they that uh, Justin Long and Brenda Routh had together were just fantastic. Um, Jeff Anderson, uh, even okay. he wasn't he wasn't really a, a big big character throughout the whole thing, but every scene he was he was in, I just I just loved his silent like looks to to other people and just reacting to what other people were saying mm. and of course Tyler Labine turning up just in the middle just looking around and go hey what's going on <laughs> completely oblivious to what's going on he's yep. just he's just, just drunk and talking about the the sports football! match that he's just been at yeah <laughs> and then when um when Lester um puts that in, into the scene straight after he leaves he actually says the same lines as he's you know, having his way with <laughs> with yeah. Katie's yes, Katie Morgan character. So, so I yeah, had, they're my they're my fault. Yeah, that's good for. I had Justin Long as my first thought. Uh, Kenny Hotz, who played uh, yep. Seth, uh, not Seth, Zach too. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know if you're a Kenny versus Spenny fan, but I am, and it was cool to see him in a movie. Um, he usually mm. is there can playing only him, be one playing himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was quite funny. Um, Gary Bednob as the boss of yeah. the coffee shop, and Tyler Labine. Those were the four that I had, but it's pretty hard to go past Justin Long. The way that he puts on that deep voice and some of the stuff that he says is just <laughs> hilarious. You know, he's only in the he's only in the movie for probably like two or three minutes, I yeah. guess. And he and steals that scene yeah. so much. Like he's he's really um, <laughs> you know, anything that you would have seen, I'm in things with <laughs> with mainly with male yeah. chaos. <laughs> what like so, Glenn Gary? <laughs> yeah, Glenn. <laughs> it's like <laughs> maybe Glenn and Gary suck Ross's big meaty cock, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they show up in the the mid credit scene as well, which yep. is again very funny. But the conversation between. Justin and Brandon, where you could tell that Justin had to have a few drinks before seeing some of those some of those lines, but it's just it's brilliant. So yeah, I think the I think the award has to go to if it can't be shared between two, then it has to go to Justin Long. Sure, yeah, uh, Justin Long was on one of our previous episodes too with Galaxy Quest. So yes. There's a, there's a connection there. I'm glad to see him get some shine. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, this this must have been one of his first films. Like, no, this is one of the first films with Kevin Smith, and he was in a lot of Kevin Smith films after this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. So this was a good 10 years after Galaxy Quest as well. Mm. Is it still a good movie? Is Zach and Mary make a porno still a good um, movie? I, I say yes, even though there's things about it that I would change. There's things about it that... I wish weren't in there, um, including full frontal nudity and uh, <laughs> very graphic sex scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't need to be in there for me. I understand why they are. But you take it all over- out, and it's a thirty-minute short. And- <laughs> <laughs> Overall, the the actual comedy is is mostly really funny. Um, the love story, I think, is well genuine told. and believable. Um, yeah. The, the like, there's an age difference between um, Seth Rogen always seems older yes. than he actually is because like even in like Knocked Up he was like t- 21 when they filmed that or something mm-hmm. cr- crazy uh, he just seems older because f- for whatever reason uh, maybe it's his voice but um, this is probably one of the last movies before he lost a bunch of weight as well for funny people I think. So, yeah, I, I used to get I used to get compared to Seth Rogen when around the time this came out because I had kind of not as curly hair as him, but I wore glasses and oh, you look like Seth Rogen. Um, and then he lost heaps of weight, and no one ever said it to me again. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I think you look like oh, Seth Rogen there, John. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I still think it's a good movie, and it sounds like you as well. Yeah, yeah, I I have to admit that. Um, all the faults aside, it still has a has a great message of you know a, a love story between friends. You know sometimes, you know, and they they didn't make mention of the friend zone or anything like this. Like it was just they were yes. friends, and I I've got to actually commend them for that. The the fact that you know they they actually thought, hey, our friendship can survive this, can survive us. You know having mm. sex and. <laughs> It turns out that yes, it could because it actually strengthened their relationship, even though it took them a while to realize. But yeah, very very good. Yeah, it, it was a very uh, it's very believable chemistry between those two as friends, but also as more than friends. So yes, it's also I, I guess a cautionary tale about like communication, like how important is it to tell people how you feel. They could feel exactly the same as you. Yes. So, but that could also ruin friendships because I've seen that happen. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. But hey, <laughs> better, to, uh, better not to wonder, isn't it? Sometimes. Mm. Anyway, uh, that is the end of this episode. We want to ask you, of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, tell them 
how amazing we are. You can grab your 8-bit merch at shop8bit.net if you want to rep the brand. If you want to support us a bit more, you can head over to Kofi, that's ko-fi.com slash we are 8-bit. That's where you can chip in a few dollars a month to help out what we're doing. And if you don't have any money to throw our way, you can always leave ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts, in Podchaser, of course, and even Spotify, you can hit us with a five stars over there too. And while you're doing it, you should head over to BitStorm, listen to a few episodes and leave some five star ratings and reviews for Trev and Ben. Have you got anything you want to pimp whilst here? Yeah, so lately we've been changing up the formula over at BitStorm. Uh, we've been doing some reviews of games that no one else okay. has been playing. Like we just don't know why people are not playing these <laughs> games. So we thought we'll we'll do we'll do some reviews. We'll tell you what we think and give them give them our our reviews as as only we can. Are these games that are obscure or just people aren't talking about? Them super super obscure. Like yeah. you could you could be searching Steam for for years and you'll never find these games. But yeah. the, <laughs> supposedly they're real. <laughs> do they do they sound like games that you guys would come up with on Bitstorm? Pretty much. You're improvising? <laughs> yeah. One of the games that we recently reviewed was um, Intense Bungie World, and that of course is a is a game where you literally go around diving off diving off cliffs, picking up objects fighting over ravines all this sort of stuff it, it's an amazing game you should check out the episode and see what we thought about it sounds good <laughs> uh, where can people catch you on socials uh, just at bitstormcast or you can check me out at Trev H. Scott and they're both on Twitter excellent and of course you can catch me at Jono himself dear listeners thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind be kind. <laughs>